Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Dr. Finkelstein here with my typical co-host. Hey, this is Nance Age. And you're listening to the first ever episode of Negative World Euphonic, which is our tribute to video game music. We got this idea to do another podcast, because we do have a lot of fun with, with Negative World Podcast, but we wanted to celebrate music in general, because, for me anyway, uh, video game music is like half of my enjoyment of any game. If it's good music, then it can hide some blemishes in the game and such. And so we wanted to just do something, some sort of community-based podcast where we could celebrate the music and also discuss it and discuss what it means to you, means to me, means to Joe, etc. And uh, so that's what this is. And it's our, you know, it's it's kind of off the cuff. We don't really have a format yet. We kind of know what we want to do. It, again, it's the pilot. So I hope you guys enjoy it and, you know, hopefully it just gets better and better from here on out. So, our first set of songs is going to be that Mario theme that I suggested to you all. Very vague, very uh, broad, and... Uh, it's the best place to start, really. It, so. it, it really had to be. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. So, let's get started with our first song. Thank you. 
All right, so that was our very first ever song on the new podcast. And uh, for those who don't know, that was Super Mario 64, Dire Dire Docks. And actually, I want to mention, too, I see we're getting used to this. That was submitted by Hammerlord, so I wanted to throw that in there. So what do you think, Joe? Well, I uh, it was so soothing that I went back to sleep. So um, It is earlier today. I don't know if that was if that was good. Um, no, it was it was really good. Uh, this is one of the tracks that really stuck out from when I played Super Mario sixty four, which, unlike a lot of Nintendo fans and members of the board, was only a year or two ago for the first time. So, um, but I definitely do remember this track and uh, and definitely do enjoy it very much. Yeah, what I think is interesting about this, for me anyway, is like Super Mario 64 has such a like a history with me, and certain levels I have such a fond memory of, certain even challenges, like, I, what was the actual level name? I forget, but it was the, uh, like the Mushroom Mountain type one, you know, where the monkey and everything was in it. It was like level 10 or 11 or something like that. Okay. And like that level... Maybe not the name, but the gameplay and all that. Like, that was one of my favorites. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But the music, I couldn't even tell you what the music was. However, right. this song, like you said, is just such a important song for the game. Yeah. Um, even though I was not that big of a fan of the level, uh, the music was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I, I never had a problem playing it, even though it wasn't one of my, my favorites, you know. Um, it's like, it's so kind of cool and calming that even when you're stressed out because the eel's about to hit you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you still kind of just, you're just mellow, you're just doing your thing. Yeah. And um, and it's kind of interesting because I think this caught us both off guard. The Kind of how it gets that extra beat going mm-hmm. about midway through kind of gets louder and more prominent, which I don't even know if I ever really noticed when I was playing it. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I didn't remember it from back in the day. Uh, you went and confirmed that that was in fact the original track instead of some sort of remix. But um, yeah, as far as I can tell, I mean, I haven't popped in the actual right you know, <laughs> cartridge, but but uh, you know, assuming that is the case, then I think that's just a testament to how you know, sort of in the zone you get with the first part of the song, and then you know, it just establishes that vibe, and then the rest of it just sort of is. Uh, you know, an extra layer, but it doesn't really necessarily change the. Like, it doesn't feel like you're listening to another song. It just feels like you're listening to sort of a more intense version of that first song. Right. Yeah. So it's so. definitely a a really good first song for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just, I was also just gonna say like I really like how, you know, it's got, you know, it's using that synth and. I think that the the really like low end bassy notes uh, that are you know what I would assume is the like the left hand on the keyboard. It's just you know I think it really is a good audio representation of like the depth of the abyss that you're in when you're playing through these levels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it actually it it manages to actually convey a sense of of being under of of depth uh through the music and i think that that's spot on right and uh, and actually you mentioned the depth in the water and everything and uh that is the other theme of this episode so we kind of 
I could have used this as like a transition song, but I wanted to just have this be the first one, uh, kind of establish our themes in a funny way, but also, uh, like you said, it's just it's a good example of a song that just really sets the tone that it's aiming for, and really all games, that's what the music should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know? That doesn't always happen, though. <laughs> However, I can't imagine that we'll find too many of those in this podcast, considering the nature of how we're picking these and all that. True. All right, so now we'll move on to our next song, and this one was submitted by Ludus210. man i don't know about you but i was literally like bouncing in my seat to that song yeah man let's go play a little bit yeah like (laughs) this uh this song uh i was so happy that ludus posted it the song itself is super mario galaxy 2's throwback galaxy which technically is kind of a super mario 64 song since that's where it originated from but the version in mario galaxy 2 just adds layer after layer after layer onto it you know oh it's so good it goes to 11 it it does, and uh, and actually something that I I didn't even notice until listening right now for the podcast was that there's some just oh I mean obviously the horns are very prominent but there's even that kind of blues guitar riff kind of going uh, <laughs> yeah maybe not the same melodies but kind of have that sound 
and it was very prominent in one of my uh, one of my ears of, the, of my headphones. So that's why I kind of picked up on it. But you mean the the like the scratchy the guitar scratch that yeah. like it, it basically holds just like one chord throughout the right and whole just yeah. kind of strums in its own little beat. Yep. Yep. Which I <clears throat> love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but like when you have one sort of one sort of sound, you know, like one note that carries through an entire section. I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very cool. No, I made a note of that myself. So, yeah, no, it's so it's just. I mean, I worry that this podcast I'm just gonna be like, oh, it's so good, it's so good. It's, I mean, it is. I mean, that's that's the thing. But uh, oh, don't worry, I have some critiques for the later songs. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> That's true, because since we're not picking all these ourselves, I guess there could be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you picked some terrible songs. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> um, to me, though, this is like one of the epitome musical tracks from for like 3D Mario games. Mm-hmm. To me, this is just like the highest caliber that they, they've done. Yep. yep. And, and I, I love it how it provokes just the idea. And, uh, well... The fact that I think of thwomps like crazy. I mean, that's that's the level it was in, you know, and that kind of thing. But I just love when a song really brings back images and emotions and, fe- you know, memories and stuff like that. And this one is just like, all I can think of is a gigantic thwomp. Although mm-hmm. he's not like an angry thwomp. He's just like, a, he's the guy on the guitar probably, you know. <laughs> that's how happy this song is. And this right. track, it's so good. Well, I was going to say, you know, what was different about the Dire Dire Docs track we just listened to was like that is sort of a was sort of a departure from songs like this which are more uh like bombastic yeah, and higher like tempo. Yeah, and like just trying to get you you know, they're all like happy and boppy and getting you psyched up and Put you know, they're moving moving to love yeah, and that kind of they're thing. They're much more in the classic like it's a me kind of kind of feel you know yeah and like this is the kind of music where you can where you can jump up and throw your fist in the air as you break a brick kind of right kind of song and like you're saying in comparison with dire dire docks that you know you're swimming most of the time you know your your mm-hmm. whole motion is slower so the tempo is slower it's you know it kind of slows your heart rate down in a way and just you kind of float through like you float through water you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think Nintendo, especially with the first party titles and Koji Kondo, especially, is really, uh, they're really aware of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that comes kind of natural. And I, that's one of the reasons I love, you know, Mario music in general so much. Yeah. Even, even the, uh, the blasphemous, um, comments of, you know, the new Super Mario games and their, you know, even I, I, even I enjoy that to maybe a lesser degree, but it's, you know the the principles are still there. Yeah. So doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, moving on to our third song is you know kind of uh, a departure uh, in many departure. ways. Yeah. So I, I'm glad Jargon had submitted this, uh, but we'll we'll get right into it. Jargon's pick. <laughs> Thank you. 
actually uh and yet very familiar what song was that steven that song was super mario land's overworld theme whoa kind of a forgotten mario game in many respects mm-hmm. um and yet this this song for me has always been one of my most memorable overworld themes from all the mario games for me as well now what is your reason for that i'm not even sure just the way it kind of maybe maybe it's the game boy tones or something but uh, the melody is just kind of that upbeat, you know, classic Mario melody that you'd expect. But, and, and actually, I noticed that there's a little bit of that riff that you were talking about, that kind of note that repeats over the whole thing. Mm. That kind of thing. I don't know if you caught that. But it's just uh, it's just a really one of those move your feet kind of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I you know, I'm really glad, really, really glad that this song got on the list. Uh, thank you, Jargon, for suggesting it. Um, this was... Because I got a Game Boy before I got a Nintendo. It was one of those things, is like a compromise from my parents. For some reason, they thought, you know, games on the big screen were going to be just too mind-warping, but on a little screen, it would be okay or something. So, so other than playing games at a friend's house where you only get, you know, sh- kind of short bursts, this was the first time in my life where I kind of owned the game and was was able to play you know for as long as I wanted and really like sink my teeth into the game so because of that this song is you know burned into my mind and uh, but in a good way and even though as I listen to it objectively it, you know all these years later could be a function of the limitations of the Game Boy hardware but you know it's not all that impressive of a song, quite honestly. It's, oh, that's a good uh, assessment, though. It, you know, I mean, the drum, like the the drums, literally like start and stop every two measures or whatever it is, and uh, you know, I I don't know how conscious a decision that was, or if they were like literally running out of track space when they were programming the song or what, but um, and you know, it's it is it is not quite as bombastic and big band feel as the usual Mario songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what fits is that it does have that kind of um, like optimistic, uh, you know, upbeat, happy sort of feel and a little, you know, boppy kind of rhythm and stuff. But um, yeah, so this is a game for me. You know, I just have such great memories with it that it wouldn't even matter uh, how good or bad the actual quality of the of the writing or the production of the song is. The game was also balls hard, and uh, is the feel of it was 
very little like the previous Mario games or any Mario game since. Yeah, with me, I think one of the reasons that this song always stood out for me is probably because I played this level the most. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can make it through a lot of the, the levels as a younger, you know, adolescent, but I never could beat it until it came out on the 3DS um, oh, really? shop. Yeah, when I bought the, I bought that, and then I just played through it, and I, I beat it in, like, two hours or whatever, and I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know, yeah. I, could, I remember, the day, like, I mean, eventually I could just beat the game routinely. Uh, it is very difficult, but eventually I, you just got so used to the, you know, the requirements yeah. that the game was sending at you. And, and I'd yeah. gotten to the level with, like, the, what is it, the Mo, Moa statues or whatever, um, mm-hmm. Moai, however that's pronounced. Uh, I got to that level, which is one of the last ones, if not the last, like, world or set of levels. Is I... it, um, yeah, where they're running around. Yeah. Right? yeah. And there's, like, the ball you gotta, yep. um, stand on and stuff like that. Yep. And... All the classic Mario things yeah. that never came again. Exploding turtles, etc., etc. But, yep. uh, Koopas, I should say. But... Shoot 'em up, side-scrolling levels. Which was kind of cool, you know. It was cool. I loved it back in the day. I didn't think it was. I wasn't like, "What is this doing in my Mario game?" And the music itself was pretty well consistent over the course of the game, but because I never could beat it, I constantly was always playing that one first, that first overworld level. So, you know, maybe for that, it, you know, instead of me being frustrated, it kind of was like, "Oh, a good, good thing to hear." And over the years too, I've heard some really nice remixes and kind of. Uh, remakes of that song and when you add a few more layers uh, instrumentally it really kind of brings out you know what makes the beat so great yeah I could see that so we have our fourth pick uh, for the Mario theme which this one was picked by none other than you me yes you and um, as far as the Mario theme goes it might be one of the most departure laden ones considering uh, where it's from, but it's still an awesome song, and it's definitely a Mario song still.
All right, that was a good pick there, Joe. I know it was. That was a great pick. Yeah. What so what <laughs> what song was that? That was Waluigi Pinball, which originated from Mario Kart DS on the Nintendo DS. Arguably and, uh, one of the best Mario Kart songs on one of the best Mario Kart games. Yes, yes. Um, this song I always thought was so good that uh, this past year when my cousin uh, had me DJ his wedding, uh, he needed a you know just a little jazzy piece of music for the bridal party to enter the reception with, <laughs> and uh, don't yeah, they're don't all say it. no way. oh yeah yeah oh yeah well they're all a bunch of game geeks as well oh so. so they ate it up huh yeah they were all about it plus you know for anyone who doesn't know it just sounds like oh sure music well so. i've edited a lot of wedding videos in my day and uh and filmed them and such and on dvds i've used some very like serene yoshi music <laughs> uh, you know maybe i'll use like a, a piano mix kind of thing so it's not as obvious but uh oh yeah video game music is nothing to, to yeah at. yeah no, it it fit the vibe perfectly for sure. know, very well so but uh you know the the thing that i love the most about this song uh is the baseline mm-hmm. and to me you know i i'm a big fan even though i don't really seek out the music very much but like that whole neo disco kind of jamiroquai sort of thing mm-hmm. like i'm into that and that that baseline it just it, this is as like as brutal of uh, uh, that a baseline can be because it's they talk about sometimes when the bass like drives the song forward, but this baseline is like dragging and pulling you and like beating you up on the way. It's so, it's such the star of the show in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, with this song, and I just man, it is so powerful. Just just the fact that it's constantly moving back and forth it's constantly taking you from one uh end of the spectrum to the other it's like you it's not even just like a groove that you get into it's like like i said it's like it's like when when you're walking a dog and all of a sudden it sees a squirrel and then just like all of a sudden the dog is walking you you know what i mean like <laughs> you're just, it's out of your control you're just being dragged along well, for the ride and in the level you know you're going down you know you're more or less launched up a pinball machine you're going down True. you know gravity forces that ball to go down the ramp and through the the different you know perils of the of the table and so the song kind of mimics that i guess you know that you're yeah. forced forward you're being dragged along yeah, as you mentioned that, really pretty much everything I just said fits perfectly with that level. Because even the idea of kind of going back and forth, you know, as you're going down the like the little pinball ramp, mm-hmm. you know, and making these big uh, sweeping turns and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very, very fitting. Yeah, that level was always one of my favorites to play, too. Because, like oh, you just said, the, the big turns and uh, the pinballs themselves are so gigantic. And they can be annoying once in a while, but... Uh, but it was just such a, a great level to play and great level to listen to. Now, one thing, it's not a flaw in the song at all, but for me, I really feel like the sound effects really add to it as well. Like, when I hear that song, it feels slightly lacking only because it's missing the the sound effects that you hear as you're racing, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure, and, I can uh, see that. And it was so cool, like, the particular effects that they've used, 
the the rings and and I don't know, just the whooshes and all. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. the sound effects here to play for us, but uh, I know they, what you mean. They just add on each other. You got this great sound, and then you get great sound effects, and it, it you know, some levels. Yeah. You know, like there's there's another one in in that game where you're playing in a clock, and that has great music too, but I don't remember it being like making you feel like you really are inside a clock as well as this makes you right. feel like you're inside a pinball machine. Right. Right. And why Waluigi owns a pinball machine, I have no idea, but I'm glad that he does. <laughs> He's a pinball wizard. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, you know, Waluigi on his own might be sort of a marginally cool character at best, but this, the possession of this song and this level really. Really elevate his stature. Mm-hmm. And uh, so our last song in the Mario theme uh, was submitted by the one and only Dr. Fink, myself. And um, when I was thinking of Mario songs, you know, there's so many to you know, to to go through. It was kind of you know nerve wracking in a way when it was up to me to pick something. And then it just hit me. So uh, take a listen, everyone. Thank you. 
The end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that kind of is how they would end it. Yep. Uh, with little Martinet in there. <laughs> that song was Super Mario World's credits theme. And uh, hopefully those who haven't made it there don't feel that's too spoilers, but you've had, like, what, two decades? Spoiler alert! <laughs> Our first spoiler alert. I can't believe a Mario game would end with Mario-esque music. Oh my gosh, yeah. Outrage. Um, although, again, for me, as a, as someone who's such a big fan of music, like, for instance, I have the Bioshock Infinite uh, soundtrack that I got with... I ended up getting the premium edition of the Not of the a game. Nintendo game, so you can't talk about it. I know, I'll be quick. But <laughs> I downloaded it, and uh, but I won't listen to it until I've actually played the game, because I don't want to spoil kind of no, that's the true. effect, you know, so... yeah. Uh, get and then, the full impact when you actually play it and experience it. Yeah, and uh, so I can kind of understand where I was coming from with that disclaimer here. But again, the game's like two decades old almost, if not. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I get such a genuine smile when I hear this song, and I, there's just something about it. You know, I, Mar- with Mario as the theme in general, I feel like we're going to be saying a lot of the same things with the you know these five songs, or if we, or if we were to continue further with the theme, but uh, there's something so wonderfully final about this song. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was a movie to my life, and and at the end of it I was walking off into the distance, whether that's a death metaphor or whatever, I just, I would want this song to be there, you know? <laughs> like, and then I I feel like there'd be, like, camera cuts to, uh, to, you know, me, like, petting a dog, or, like, doing all these last second you know, happy things as I get whisked off into God knows where. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a generally pleasant song and you the game itself is so so happy and pleasant too that mm-hmm. i mean the colors the, the color palette itself was kind of brightened from uh from mario 3 and and it was kind of a whole fresh thing so it really fits in that regard mm-hmm. one thing almost a criticism though I, I gotta say about it is i can see where maybe some people might be annoyed with kind of the same melodies are happening over and over and if you're watching the credits itself it's kind of meant to do that because there's different sections to the credits and to listen to it on its own kind of seems like okay well how long is this going to go on almost like an old nes game or something might do hmm. but but they add little things little touches to each each you know version of it that it still kind of still kind of works for me and and works as a cohesive song yeah uh yeah i mean there are so many different it's it's almost like three or four songs in one with all the different sort of takes on itself that it that it presents um and i do think that very close to what you were just saying about sort of how you would sum up you know one's existence or something you know sort of culminate it with a piece of music i mean that's what that's what i think that this accomplishes and what i'm sure it sets out to do because it does feel like you know oh you know remember that time when you jumped on this goomba and then remember this time when you know you sort of took a little break and you know went and had that peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, <laughs> and but then it's like but it's really trying to like i feel like celebrate you and like reward you as the player because you know there's those times where it's very like it's still in a very subdued fashion but it's still but it's like really um you know really like regal and like Oh, like you have done it! Congratulations! Right. Like a fanfare. 
Yes. And I think that's, you know, they say in life that it's better to spend money on, you know, experiences instead of gifts because experiences last with you. They make memories. And I think that's what Nintendo tries to do in a lot of different cases where, like you said, they want you to remember when you jumped in that Goomba or when you, you know, walk through the uh, Force of Illusion and that kind of thing because sure. uh, that's what they want you to take from this game. They don't want you to, like, hit a goal, make an achievement, you know, right. that kind of thing, you know, and get points for your, you know, gamer score. Right. Or they want they're, you... a little, they're a little less disposable. Yeah. And they want you just to remember the good times you just had. Which is why it's one of the few games that I've beaten over and over and over. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I think that the, the last the last version of the song, which is a little bit more up-tempo, is, it, it's sort of like, wasn't that great? Don't you want to play it all again? Right. You know? So, and my answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't played it in a few summers now, but growing up, I would try to speedrun that thing like crazy. And, like, once a summer I would get out the old SNES and, and I would play it. And I can pretty much 100% that game in about two and a half hours. That's impressive. Uh, now, that's of, you know, I don't count um, uh, breaks or anything. It's not like a straight through kind of thing. It, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would, if I paused and left, I would pause the timer. You know, it was pure gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's close to, like, three hours, somewhere in that range. But still, that's... Considering there's like 96 exits, that's, I think that's pretty good. But and what's amazing too, pretty good about this game is that the game in general is, is, I still remember so many of the exits without fail. Like there's, I haven't played the game in years now, and I'll still remember where every secret is and, and such. And listening to it right this uh, this morning kind of made me think too. It's got that kind of, not I wouldn't say Disney in terms of the notes and, and how they compose their music, but it's got that kind of like cartoony finale mm-hmm. thing. So it kind of made me think of Disney a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is a song I I could see if I, you were able to disassociate it from Mario. Like, I could see this piece of music being in a game like um, Mickey's, what is it, Mystic Quest, Magical oh, yeah. Quest or something like that. So, yeah, you know, I could see I could see that. Yeah, so I just uh, I thought that was an appropriate final song for our uh, our first theme here. Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll move into our second uh, our second theme, and that is water, which is kind of a you know it's not a character, it's not a franchise. I wanted to throw something out there. It is just... if you ask the fluidity people. <laughs> True, it's a game genre. You got wet tricks, you got fluidity, puddle, but yeah, so that's. That's our second theme here, and we'll just jump right in. This one was submitted by our good buddy, Zero.
Yes, an absolute OMG. badass song. The, well, first I should say what song this is. That'll help. This is uh, the Bubble Man theme from Mega Man 2, which pretty much the entire Mega Man 2 soundtrack is excellent. One of the best of all time, Stephen. I would, I would, what you meant I would concur, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and the Bubble Man theme is one that stood out for me, for sure. And not necessarily the level itself, but the music. Mm-hmm. Though, as I was listening to it just now, I was thinking, there's nothing about this theme that really says water, though, in my opinion. Like, it doesn't have to... Like, I'm only thinking of water because I'm thinking of the level. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I associate that, obviously. But trying to listen to it without any sort of preconceived connections, uh, it's, it's just a, a good song. It doesn't really have any theme related to it, and I wonder if that's because of the limitations of the NES hardware, or soundware, or whatever, but um, at the same token, I think maybe you could say that about a lot of the Mega Man songs. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like taking like a, not necessarily techno, but it's kind of got that really high beat and everything, so take just a bunch of techno songs and then apply them to different levels of a game, right. and you'll then make the connections there. Right. Yeah. Unlike yeah, and I mean, let's face it. Like, as as great as all of these songs were, uh, you know, a lot of them uh, they're almost more uh, NES Capcom music than right. You know, like, like that's the genre that they are. You know, so like you um, could take either all the songs in Mega Man, switch them around, mm-hmm. or even take other Capcom games and put them in, you know, into a Mega Man game. If and if someone didn't had never played it before, they didn't know any better. Maybe they would make that kind of nice connection right, too. Right, right. And that said, for this game or for this level, you know, I because of this music, I always kind of associated this whole level and even Bubble Man himself. And this could possibly be because of his fairly lame power, but he always seemed to me like like the the subdued, reflective, remorseful robot master. You know, like. There's there's a there's definitely like a I think a zen sort of quality to this song and it mostly only plays out in like the first couple notes and then which sort of set the the tone and then it's gone you know just that little do 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 yeah right and then basically you know the next bit the little riff comes in and disrupts the whole thing but um but I don't know. But but that's the vibe that I get from it. That's the feeling that I come away from this song with. And I think it it just fits so perfectly and feels so good. <laughs> even though the uh, even though the the high melody, whatever it is, like is literally off pitch, and you don't know again if that was a technical limitation or if they do that on purpose. But you know, it works. Mm-hmm. Now, this next song kind of, I think, could be in the same category as what we're talking about. However, uh, and a little bit different. We'll get to that. This uh, this song was submitted by The Old Man from Zelda, and I think a lot of you are going to recognize it.
So are you scared or what? Yep. <laughs> that song is just... Thanks uh, a lot, Lou. Yeah. Um, Man from Zelda, indeed. His, his pick was the underwater music from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. And, uh, and that is a particularly scary part of that game uh, that brought a lot of strife to people. And it's funny, because I, I hadn't heard that song in so long um, until The Old Man from Zelda submitted it. And the second I started listening to it again, one, I started like getting happy because I really liked that track. And the music in that game was pretty good uh, overall, I feel. But that song then started bringing memories of that stupid electric seaweed. You yep. Know? And uh, for such a memorable part of the game, for a negative reason, it's funny <laughs> that the, the song doesn't have more of a negative connotation. But Well, I mean, I found myself like wringing my hands here subconsciously, so... It definitely uh, definitely makes you feel uncomfortable and anxious. <laughs> and and not necessarily in a good way within the context. Nope. Like, during the level... I mean, the the first part of the song is just fine. It's just kind of a uh-huh. repeating melody that you'd find in any other NES game. But I made sure to include the kind of the time-up kind of thing uh, uh-huh. later. Because I, I compressed um, the audio file that I found. And... It's, oh, right? Yeah, when it starts speeding up. I mean, there's one thing when Mario music speeds up, and it's just like, okay, now you just got to go. You're running out of time, but you know you can do it. Here, you hear that, and you're just like, oh, my God. Yep. What's going to happen to me? <laughs> like, I'm it's gonna oppressive. Black out. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very. Instead of a, encouraging, it's like, oh, you motherfucker, we've got you. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you, you know, are you're, dead. You're, you're going to die. And, yep. uh, and I don't know why they wanted to take that tone in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, but yep. um, they sure did. Yep. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure with the with the general difficulty of this game, if they had the target audience quite quite right, but um, I was telling you, bef- you know, before, earlier in the week when we were just discussing songs for this episode, how uh, I never beat this game other than using Game Genie. Right. And how even using Game Genie, the only code that came with the book that was really of any value was Infinite Health. That's really the only one that was going to help you get through the whole game. And even if you use that, it is still possible to lose at yeah. this game. Please because <laughs> put that disclaimer out there. Yeah, because there is uh, one such level right near the end. It might be the last one, might be the second to last one, where... Instead of just falling into a pit and dying, you fall into this lava. And the way that particular lava is coated, it saps your energy down to zero, which is a problem if you have infinite energy. (laughs) So if you fall in that pit, which is a very difficult jump to make, then you have no choice but to hit reset and start over if you'd like. And this isn't a game where there's, you know, save states in the same way that we're nope. used to now. Nope, nope. So the whole game is just basically an exercise in frustration. And I, like probably many other kids of that era, I have to wonder, I mean, I kept playing because it was the Ninja Turtles. And because at that time it was like I would have played with a box of rusty nails if it said Ninja Turtles on it. <laughs> <laughs> Ninja Turtles, Rusty Nails. Shredders, yeah. Shredders, Rusty Nails. 
Exactly. There you go. Um, so, so you know, heck yeah, I played this game, and I was like, yeah, Ninja Turtles. I was like, this game's mean to me. Now, the second game in the arcade game. Uh, oh my god, amazing! That I'm sure will show up in some form or fashion eventually on this podcast, but that seemed to get the audience more correct. Yes. You know? Yes, and and 100%. as far as the challenge and the theme and what the, what they want you to feel when you're playing and stuff. Yep. So yep, yep. this this game was kind of a just a an off putting one, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well I mean this game they didn't even have like the Ninja Turtles theme song in this game, if we're talking about music. Yeah. I mean there was like none of the music from the show or anything was in this game, right? Uh I mean I don't remember the, the soundtrack don't that so. distinctly, but it definitely wasn't in in the same way that you attach the arcade games soundtrack to the Turtles franchise. You don't yeah. really do that with this game. Yep. Um, and definitely... one last thing, I, I will say that uh, I still think, from a purely composition perspective, there's still that same emphasis on sort of an echoey, billowy low end that I think composers just uh, feel conveys water. You mm-hmm. know liquid being being immersed um which you know i think is pretty cool that there's that that common thread in these picks i think it shows that they're that they're good meaningful picks yeah absolutely yeah and now uh, we'll see uh in this next track that they they go a little bit farther to convey it's the a different thing. direction absolutely and uh and if hammerlord didn't pick it i sure would have so uh, hammerlord thank you for your submission here, and I hope everyone enjoys.
that was Banjo Kazooie's Treasure Trove Cove, mm. which kind uh, of love just the alliteration and and the rhyming scheme of that title in general. Treasure Trove Cove. I can dig it. Yeah, and I I really do dig this song so much. This to me in my notes here I put epic in uh in four capital letters right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I love the Banjo Kazooie series. I love the music in general. I love the games in general. But Treasure Trove Cove is something I literally whistle around work. Like, just randomly, I'll do that from time I to could, time. I could see this getting stuck in your head. Oh, yeah. And, pretty easily. And, it's you know, it's got that kind of, you know, repeating melody that will. But what I love is how they layer upon layer this thing. You know, you've got uh, kind of that steel drum sounds, but then it, it changes throughout the song. Um, you know, unique drums, unique, not really a xylophone, but almost some sort of... Uh, marimba. Marimba, sure, yeah. And... It's got a kind of Caribbean tone, which fits the level so perfectly, even though it's kind of its own little island and everything. And the crashing waves are even there for that subtle addition. Kind of like how in While We Just Pinball, I wish that the pinball okay. sounds were there. Here, the crashing waves do really help with it. Uh-huh. And it's something you don't necessarily notice unless you're listening for it. What's your experience with this this level of this game? Oh, very little, Stephen. Okay. Which should very change little. very, very soon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would probably... I would probably well, like this game. As someone who hasn't played this game, then, you know, how does this song make you feel? Because I'm coming at it from the point of view that I've played this game multiple times. This is another sure. one of those games I've beaten multiple times. And... Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I can't but laugh. Uh, it's a goofy song, Stephen. Is it? It's pretty goofy. I mean, not in a bad way. Yeah. But it's 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 goofy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's well, and that's the thing too. The the Banjo Kazooie game never tries to take itself too seriously. Sure. You know. Sure. Um, no, it's all very fun, and yeah, and I'm sure that that is on purpose. And when I say goofy, that's not a bad thing because for music, you know, I mean, it's meant to inspire all kinds of uh, emotions. And you know, for this one, I I could totally see like, yeah, you're out on the beach and. Maybe people have had one too many to drink, and they're like twirling around and wearing a grass skirt, and <laughs> you know. Very little of that happens in this game, but there are, uh, you know, there's a, a sobbing hippo um, mm-hmm. who's lost his gold, and um, there's a giant hermit crab who wants to fight you, and and there's a sandcastle and the and little ponds with traps, and you hear. Uh, you know, sound effects that add to the whole thing of like creaky old wooden doors, and um, it's it's just such a uh, euphonic, you know, mix of noise, and mm-hmm. um, and and the the track itself is just such a like a a base for all that to build upon, mm-hmm. and it's definitely easily one of the best levels in the game as far as the music's concerned. I think too, the way well, that I was going to ask. Level. How does the vibe of this song sort of fit with the rest of the soundtrack? The the soundtrack does a great job at being unique in each little way. Like the next level after this one's called uh, Clanker's Cavern, and you are more or less in a sewer, and there's like a trapped mechanical whale, more or less, um, underneath the water. And you, so I mean, I could have definitely chose that level too for, uh, or well, I didn't choose this. Hammerlord did, but you know it, that could have easily have been chosen as well because it's very based in water but uh, it's got much a different feel and um, you know then there's 
the the mad uh, what's it called the mad mansion level whatever and that's got its own very spooky theme you know very kind of I can hear it in my head right now just kind of low tones and then at one point there's even some organ going on and so okay. the, the game itself is very has very different tracks for every particular world that you're playing in but they're all so perfectly fit with that level mm-hmm. there it, it's it's a game where like you you take this for instance you could not put this in with a different level and have it make sense like we were saying with the band theme you know right the the composers who were working on this game uh which i think grant kirkhope was like the main guy or something um, he's done a lot of other great stuff and he just really knows how to hammer home that feeling that you're trying to convey out of a level uh I don't think that he could have just been told, okay, go with, you know, go with uh, Tropical Theme and go for it. He wouldn't have known how to do this so well without actually knowing the level, I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's an interview out there that proves me wrong, but I'm, I would have to think that he had played this to some degree. No, or seen it played, sense. you know, to really get it down. While in a Mario game, you know, I think that, and again, I don't have any proof or anything, but I'm pretty sure, I get this feeling that Koji Kondo is told, like, Here's the feeling we want to go with, and we'll just, uh-huh. you know. But you, he has another level. He doesn't know how it works, at least initially, and he just kind of goes for it. But here, it just seems to be quite a, a marriage between the gameplay and the music. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think Banjo-Kazooie excels at so much. But uh, as much as I want to keep talking about Banjo-Kazooie and this song and stuff, we probably should move on uh, to your pick, Song 4 and yeah. the Water Theme.
That might be the best four minutes of my day, Stephen. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you could bring it to yourself. Yep. Oh, man. When, you know, uh, when we set out to do this and it was like, you know, I'll pick a, you know, pick a water-themed song you know, for uh, your contribution. I went through my game collection and started looking at boxes and hoping that one would sort of s- stick out to me. Uh, as soon as I came across the Sonic Colors box in my collection, this music, the Aquarium Park music, I was just like, this this has to be it. This is one of my favorite tracks from basically the entire previous uh, generation. Uh, did you play Sonic Colors? Did you get no. a chance to play? I've never even seen a copy in the wild. Okay. Um, I have no experience with this with this game or this music, but <laughs> listening to it, and even though I only just heard it the other day for the first time, I've got you know, I mean, not a ton to say about it, but I, it's very very good, and I can yeah. totally respect it. And uh, and before I go into what I think about it, um, can you set up kind of I just kind of describe the context of the level because sure. I mean I think of Sonic I think of like if I was to pick a water one I probably would have went with uh, like the chemical plant zone from Sonic 2 uh-huh. um, but that's just because that's those are the Sonic games I know so well but this one I have no experience with so like kind of describe the level you're in like what, okay. what is it yeah so uh, first of all I guess it's a little different than the typical like a lot of times in Sonic games water levels are completely underwater or they're you know like 85 to 90 percent underwater and it's basically a struggle of you know maintaining your breath and you're moving slowly and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing uh this was a little bit different in that it's probably closer to uh 60 40 underwater versus above water uh and you have a lot of options so you could spend most of you know most of the levels above water if you wanted but you're kind of at the surface of the water. So the even when you're not submerged, you're right at the surface and the tracks sort of go right over the surface. But it has a very uh, sort of eastern, you know, it's like there's like these pagodas in the background and there's all these glowing lights and it's sort of at nighttime. Um, and really in a lot of ways, dare I say, it has like a Bioshock kind of look because it's, you know, the, it is that submerged everything's muted with like a soft dark blue um but then you've got these little piercings of of vibrant light that sort of peppers the entire the entire screen um and really you know a good use of the color palette with you know you'll have these vibrant you know neon greens and purples and yeah, and there's all these fish going around, and it, you know, again, very Japanese Eastern sort of sort of look to the whole area. And so, now, is it a pretty fast-moving level? Yes, for the most part, which is again what's different than some of the previous uh, underwater stages in Sonic games. Like I said, you can you can go underwater, or you can spend most of it above the water at the surface. In which case, you're not slowed down at all. Some sections do force you to to traverse underwater in which case you are slowed down a little bit and you know constricted uh you i know there's like these parts where you have to go through pipes and things like this but um yeah so that that's the general layout but um i can totally see this fitting with that though 
Yeah, and like, yeah. That's yeah. what I would imagine when I heard this. Yeah. And what I wanted to say really quick is that this song, uh, in many ways, should have been the last song we played today, just because it's got such like a vast amount of the different things we've already talked about throughout sure. the themes of all this. So it's got, and, and some of it goes back to Dire Dire Tox again, but for the one part, it's got that tonality with other water themes, like you were saying, that certain waters tracks just kind of have that sound to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's got that, but it's got the repeating bass line that you were talking about that you love mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Um, it's got some repeating melodies that we kind of saw with Mario World and, and a lot of the, the songs in general. Yet it's still got a Mega Man 2 kind of, you know, upbeat techno kind the of... punch to it, yeah, yeah. that punchiness. And then, amazingly, they fit in piano, which yeah. kind of reminds me of Dire Dire Docks, even though there is no piano in that, but I've heard so many wonderful piano versions that it's almost like that's what it would have been had they had the capability. Sure. And uh, so that piano underneath. And then near the end, uh, there's even orchestrated string, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of going in there. So it's amazing, this this mix of uh, of noise that, that really uh, yeah. makes for like an energetic water level, which is kind of, um, you know, not something you hear. I mean, it's kind of, they're kind of like opposites in a way, like energetic water yeah. level, you know? Yeah. You don't think of that. Everyone seems to dread water levels most of the time, but here it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, this isn't going to be slow. This isn't going to be laid back. This is going to be fun, fast, and wet. Yeah. Okay. Quote me on that. <laughs> Um, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you said all that because I, I do think the, this track also kind of sums up the fact that Sonic Colors, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of other people's opinions, really was like a return to quality for the Sonic franchise. Which, uh, you know, and that you have to take that with a grain of salt because by today's standards, like I don't know how good a Sonic game would have to be to be just completely, you know, across the bird. Uh, Bird, across the board uh, praised you know the way they used to be where it used to stand right alongside the the Marios and I'm not and sure such, that but, even is possible these days right I don't think the fans are exactly I don't think it is but as far as it can be I think this game this game did that um, and you know if you go look at review scores and such I mean it's fairly apparent but uh, which is of course why they didn't give it a sequel because they're stupid but um <laughs> But anyway, uh, yes, hearing this music, I, I specifically remember when I got to this world for the first time and hearing the music and just playing through the level and be like, wow, like they have done it. Like this makes me, uh, you know, this gives me the same quality experience that I used to get back in the Genesis era with, you know, it is absolutely modern Sonic, quote unquote, but it has that same level of attention to detail and just ah i love it and musically right from the get-go i mean in the first two measures you could probably guess this was a sonic song just because it has it has that really high tempo and like you said you get a sense of speed basically from the music itself um but this piece like the fact that it has those really slow-moving, powerful piano chords that go under the main riff. I think it's like you were saying, like it still gives that sort of, that same feel of just like the massive oppressiveness of you being underwater or just a huge body of water. Um, and I think that they use the music to convey that very well. 
Uh, and at the same time, you've got that that high pitched, piercing melody, which has uses that sort of eastern scale, which I think really paints the picture of the level that you're in. You know, with all those pagodas in the background and all those bright, vivid lights against the muted dark blues and everything that we have described already. I just I think it's great. And 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 the fact that as you go through the song it sort of gives you those moments of you know really peacefulness. You know there's the those times where where you're away from the main hook and it's got that piano going and it's just very very calm and soothing and you know it's still got that tempo underneath to still drive you forward but there is that real sort of reflectiveness that I think you can't help but feel when you hear a piece of music like this. And then for contrast, there's always that like one or two beats of rest before it comes back and punches you in the face with that main riff again, you know? It's kind of like getting a breath, like a bubble of air in in the Sonic games in the past, you know? It is, Steven. It really is. musical version of that. Yes. So... Man, I can't say enough good things, and I'm so glad that you know water came up, and that I went and looked through my collection so that I could, uh, you know, pick out this song and relive it for myself and showcase it hopefully for other people. Because, like I said, man, it's one of my favorite tracks of the last generation, and that is not something you say lightly. So sure. So that brings us into our final track of this pilot episode of Negative World Euphonic. And it kind of takes us back to, like, it's kind of like a bookend, I'd say, in uh-huh. in, in tonality, and um, and makes for great juxtaposition with the song you just picked. So, this song I picked, and I, I found it the same way that I that you did, kind of just looking at your collection, just pondering, and this uh-huh. is what spoke to me. Thank you. 
So that was the the last song of our episode today, and I, I don't know if you could tell why I thought it would be a good bookend, because it's again I guess it's worked out that Die Die Docks was you know both a water and a Mario song uh, for this very reason. But this song that you just heard was Metroid Prime's Underwater Frigate, and I think a lot of our listeners will remember this song. It's a pretty prominent section of Metroid Prime, but it's it's one of the the more, I guess, like like you were saying, oppressive parts uh-huh. of the game, and and it's not oppressive in like a bad game design way or anything. It so works with what's what's going on, you know. Yep. Trying to earn your your power ups back and everything. Exactly. And that really works with. I mean, they use water in general as a really good oppressive function on on Samus, and the music here. You know, it's forcing you to go slow. It's forcing you to think. It's forcing you to kind of reflect as you as you're exploring. And the fact that it's a crashed frigate and not some sort of like, you know, highly active thing, it really has a sense of like a watery tomb exactly feel yeah. to it. And and that was what was really amazing about this this section of the game for me. I mean, there's a lot of different great areas. There's you know the like the kind of the lava area. There's the beautiful lush. Uh, overworld that you first experience but then there's this just you know watery watery grave and and I, I believe in a lot of areas you even see deceased space pirates that are just kind of floating around and yep 
Yep. And this music to me just always fits so well with that. Yep. It just it it's not so much a track like the Sonic Colors, which is kind of like there to drive you as you're playing the gameplay. This is more like um it's more like ambience, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and so some people might not find that appealing to have something that isn't you know it's it's more like environmental music than it is mm-hmm. you know a musical track but but i always saw that it was like a perfect match yeah yeah it definitely uh i mean you know you did a good job saying it all but i'll just i'll just give uh my two cents as well which is that yeah that the whole area music included i think is meant to make you feel like oh crap what the hell did i get myself into and especially you know i will always remember there's that deep uh cylinder that big column uh where you know there's all the little floating platforms and when you miss them you sink all the way to the bottom and it's just like and it's not oh a fast God. sink it's a slow sink you know? right right but you know in playing that you know for the first time like I remember thinking, uh, you know, like, is there even going to be a bottom to catch me? Or am I, you know, like Metroid doesn't really do pits, but uh, you you feel like this might be the time or something. Sure. Um, and, or is it going to be like where, you know, you can't get back up and you have to die, before, you know, restart. Right. Or, yeah, or, you know, go way out of your way or I don't know. And, and, and you also just because of the way that the water is done like it's not like you can see in all directions uh very far you know mm-hmm. so so there's this real sense of you know fear of the unknown as you're falling and trying to make your way through this water and it's just but there is there's that common thread with with the other water music of a certain peacefulness mm-hmm. that's represented in the music Exactly. Yes. Good word. Tranquility. Um, and it's you know in this in this case it happens to be the tranquility of when everything has died. You know when when something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. And there's just not enough life to uh, cause action. Well, in general, like I mean, beyond video games, there is kind of a weird calmness to to death and to uh, to just the quietness of it all. And the song is not very threatening in the yeah. sense of like being loud or abrasive but yet it's very threatening because yep. it is so quiet quiet you know yep. and and then when you throw in the fact that you're in this water and i mean you can't see very far but you also see a lot of debris mm-hmm. and it's just floating there suspended it's just so haunting yep yep and Absolutely. uh so you know again the level itself is great the game itself is great but the music just really adds to it all mm-hmm and, yep. and this is one of the more memorable tracks from that game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think because it was so unique and so, yeah, there was such a contrast between this area and all the others. Mm-hmm. And with, with Metroid, all the kind of themes we described, like the quiet death, I, I like I always felt that a good Metroid game kind of expressed that, mm. you know, and uh, in Metroid Prime 1, a lot of the areas are like that, and they have their own kind of, uh, you know, that kind of feel with, like, the, uh, how does how's it pronounced, the, f- like, Frendrana Drifts or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or even just the slightly more upbeat um, Talon V, or Talon 4, I'm sorry, uh, 
overworld with kind of the rainfall, which I almost wanted to pick that, but I wanted to go a little bit more kind of obvious with the with the theme. And uh, and then you th- you have the those caverns, the the lava caverns. I can't remember the name right now, but those have that you know that beat, that drum beat, and that mm-hmm. driving uh, mm-hmm. bass line that you don't see in other places. So it doesn't really right. that doesn't really Reflecting fit so much. The the heat. You yeah, know, the intensity of the heat. Yeah, I think those other areas. What you were getting at is there is a sense of uh, loneliness that they're trying to portray in the music, which is something that people always associate with the Metroid franchise. They always say, you know, you want to have that feeling of being alone, which is, you know, one of the critiques they levied against Other M was, you know, you had a team, so you didn't feel. There wasn't that sense of isolation and and hopelessness because you were the only one, uh, which is what I think a lot of that music tries to accomplish and does successfully in Metroid Prime. Absolutely. I think that it might have been one of its primary goals, and it totally achieves it. Um, Well, just to remind everyone that this is not replacing the usual podcast. This will simply be an addition to... Oh, that's news to me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and hopefully, you know, Nintendo every now and then they talk about their third pillar. They'll have a third pillar system. And I would like to think of the D- Depression cast as, as sort of the third pillar in <laughs> our ever-growing stable of, of audio offerings here at Negative World. Yeah, I'm really psyched that, you know, uh, Chris Wright was working on that and that, you know, we have something beyond the Negative World podcast to to give to you know, the community. Mm-hmm. And this, this is just another example of stuff we want to do. Now we're only two men and, and, you know, we only have so many people who help us out and, and such, but True. Uh, maybe other podcasts will continue to, to pop up from time to time. We're definitely open to uh, working with people mm-hmm. uh, if they have ideas, but, uh, but in general, we also really want your ideas. So please keep, uh, you know, when we post these threads, keep submitting these great songs. There were so many, to choose from uh, that obviously not everything could be played and to a point there is probably a certain bias uh, as Joe and I figure out what we think should be in the episode but we try not to just pick our favorites you know because that's not really fair and everything we just we, we try to as objectively as possible choose songs that we felt were good with the the theme mm-hmm. and then of course we each pick one of our own so there's a bit of subjectiveness right there but Still, I hope you guys all enjoyed this, uh, you guys and girls, whoever is listening out there. And, uh, you know, keep an eye out for the next thread and the next theme or themes, depending on how we go. I think we'll probably stick with the two-themed um, setup right now, because I think it was kind of nice to, to change yeah. it up. Though I was surprised at how long 10 songs has taken us. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we talk longer than the music is, I think. We always have stuff to say. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Negative World Euphonic podcast, and uh, keep an eye out for episode two. Heck yeah. See you later. Bye-bye.